her so that she may be made well and live. So he went with him and a large crowd followed him and pressed in on him. And there was a woman who had been suffering from a hemorrhage for 12 years. Since she had endured much under many physicians and had spent all that she had, and she was no better, but rather she grew worse. She had heard about Jesus. She came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. And she said, if I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. Immediately, her hemorrhaging stopped and she felt in her body that she was healed from her disease. Immediately aware that power had gone forth from him, Jesus turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing on you? How can you say, Who touched me? He looked all around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened, to her came and in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed from your disease. While he was still speaking, some people came from the leaders of the house to say, your daughter is dead. I trouble the teacher any further. But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And when they came to the house of the leader of the synagogue, he saw the commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when they had entered, he said to them, why do you make a commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him and they put him, put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went to where the child was. And he took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk about. She was 12 years of age. At this outcome with amazement and strictly ordered that no one should know this. And they, they gave, sorry, something to eat. That was a long scripture. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I'd like to pray a prayer over us. It's from Ephesians 3, 14 through 19. So if you would just bow your head with me and listen for a word the Father would speak to you in the scripture. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you would be rooted and established in love. And may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people. To grasp how wide and how long and how high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. That you 
may be filled with a measure of all the fullness of God. Amen. Have you ever been called unclean like this woman in the scripture? In 2008, I had the great good pleasure to go on a trip with Ray Vanderlyn. Uh, to Israel and Turkey and many of the people from Riverside were there and a few people from Alamo Heights were there and we were uh, we had been at the Sea of Galilee learning how Jesus taught the disciples to minister the good news of, of that he was telling them in Asia where they would go when he sends them out into the world. So we were learning about that, and we had gotten on our Boeing something or other, this giant jet, and we're sitting in Israel at some airport. I can't even tell you the small details of that. But I'm there, and we're spread out all across the, the airplane. And I happened to get an aisle seat, and I thought, yes, an aisle seat. And so I sat down, and uh, just, you know, buckling my seatbelt, taking it easy, I looked down at the other end. I'm on the long middle aisle. There's about seven seats there. And there are other men sitting at the end and then a gap in the middle. And I see a Jewish man with his prayer book and his ticket walking back and forth down the aisle somewhat nervously. And he's looking and he's looking all around. And I'm thinking, gosh, she doesn't know where to sit. And uh, he's the lady, the stewardess is saying, you know, uh, everybody take your seat. We are about to depart from the gate. Everyone. And she's saying this in all different languages. And then he disappears. And I'm like, he found his seat. And then I look to my left, and he's standing at the opposite end of my aisle. And he's talking to the men there. And as I'm looking at them, they all turn and look at me. And then they get up and they move down. And he sits down at the opposite end of my aisle. And if that weren't enough, I kind of got the idea that he didn't want to move by me. But the man who sat down a seat apart from me, he said, He thinks you're unclean. I was like, in my head, this man doesn't even know me. What He thinks that I'm unclean because I'm a woman? You know, a lot of things go through your mind. A little bit of anger, a little bit of attitude, and then a little bit of shame. Have you ever thought of yourself as unclean? This woman in the scripture has no name, so... And that hurts me. I want her to have a name. I wanted Jesus to name her. But they didn't give us a name. So she can be any one of us. Have you ever been excluded? Maybe not so much as said unclean, but no one let you come to the party. You didn't get the invitation. You wanted a promotion at your business. You didn't get it. You were excluded from that. Maybe you tried out for a sports team. Who among us hasn't tried to play basketball or any one of those sports? Thought we were the one that should be on the A team. And we maybe were lucky if we got on the C team. We know about being excluded in our society, right? It happens to us all the time. So I think we can say... With this woman who has this issue of hemorrhaging, we can say, I'm Janet. I have an issue with, I need Jesus to heal me. And we're so thankful that Jesus hears our prayers. And this woman in the story, she's living by the law. She's a Jewish woman and she's doing what the law has told her to do. 
You see, Jesus, we've been going through the book of Exodus, right? So we know that the people have been freed from the Israelites. We know that they need some kind of order because when you don't have, when you've had a lot of rules, somebody telling you what to do, when to get up, what to think, uh, how to do certain things. When you don't have any rules, it makes me think of a college kid going off to college. When you don't have any rules, things just go berserk sometimes. So God said to Moses, I want to give these people laws to live by, and they're going to help the majority. They're going to help my people live and prosper. And one of these laws that rules this woman out is found in Leviticus. It's found in Leviticus 15:25, and it says because of her hemorrhage, it wouldn't matter if it was a man or a woman, anyone that's bleeding is unclean. And in the commentaries, I didn't see that she would have to walk around saying, I'm unclean, I'm unclean, like a person with leprosy who is very contagious. But you can just see it as she walks into the the group, into her community, because she lives in uh, on the Sea of Galilee in a town called Capernaum. I was there. It's not a big place. They would know that she's unclean. She's had this for 12 years. Years, And they would spread and make a way and move away from her and shun her. I want you to, I want, I want this morning to be about feeling what she might have felt. Because we've all been there. And there's also a common belief by the Pharisees and even Jesus' disciples that She's unclean because she's sinned. She has this illness because she's sinful. In John 9, 1 through 3, Jesus is walking along with his disciples. And as they went along, he saw a man blind from birth. And the disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? Is this man or his parents that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. And I had to think about that a lot this week. When I'm excluded, does the works of God, are they displayed in me in a good way? Am I, do I handle myself the right way when I don't get that promotion? Or do I say, My job, my boss should have known that I was the one for that place. Or if I don't get picked for the the team, I was the best one on that team. Or do I handle that? Do I go to God and say, Lord, I'm hurt. Can you help me with this before I start sharing with others? Because he knows we're hurt. And this woman, the glory of God and the works of her life are going to be made manifest. She's going to live because she's being obedient to the law and she's suffering because of her issue. No one can touch her. How many of you passed the peace this morning or had a hug from somebody in your family or touched someone else this morning? She hasn't touched anyone for 12 years. I know Pastor David was in here last week and he told you that babies die without touch. She hasn't been touched for 12 years. When she sits in a chair, no one can sit there. If she lies down in a bed, no one can lay there. 
If she picks something up, no one can touch that. They're not clean, unclean forever, but just for the day. And they have to do all the ceremonial washing of their clothes to be made clean again. She's in great pain. It says she's destitute. She's used all her money and she has nothing. Nothing left. She's alone. She's alive. But she's on the fringes of her society. No one's caring about her. Maybe she has some family that brings her food. I don't know how she's surviving. The Bible doesn't tell us. But she's very much alone. Do you know anybody like this in your family? In your in your your neighborhood? Is there an elderly person that is just almost invisible to everyone else? And I would say if you see him, that's God working in you to do something, to be the hands and feet of his son to that person. What about the homeless? What about the poor? Are they invisible? Because they do exist. And God said that they would always be among us. So we must be the hands and feet of Jesus to these people. So she's in Capernaum. She's in this small village. The people know her situation. And I think it's a beautiful picture of how God put Jairus, the synagogue ruler, mixed in with this woman with the issue of hemorrhaging. Because their two worlds are, they, their words of worlds have already collided. Jairus knows that she's unclean because he is the synagogue leader and he doesn't let her into the synagogue because it would make it ceremonially unclean. But here's this picture of Jesus walking. He's there. He's in, um, he's in Capernaum and Jairus comes up and falls at his feet and earnestly begs him if you'll just come to my house my daughter she's 12 years old she's dying if you just come to my house and you just touch her she'll be healed and she'll live he cares a great deal for his daughter here's another daughter that's been dying for 12 years that he's been keeping out of the synagogue by law in obedience And I feel like there should be this giant symbol crash right now. And I wish I had a pair because this morning as I was praying about this, it was like the Old Testament meets the New Testament. Jairus is keeping the law. And Jesus knows that. But here's this woman that needs healing, that's unclean, and she's the New Testament. And they crash together. In this beautiful picture that God's let us see in his word. And, and Jesus says, I'll go with you. And he goes with Jairus. He is going to his, his house to heal his young daughter. Because we read in the scripture, that long scripture, that she was healed. And they were astonished. He didn't even touch her, though. He just said, stand up. Get up. But he's going. And here's this woman. She is desperately in need of Jesus' healing. And she doesn't care anymore if she's unclean. She has been saying in her head, if I just touch the hem of his cloak, I'll be healed. That was her faith. If I just touch it, 
I'll be healed. And she pushes her way through this crowd. And it makes me think of at a concert, a rock concert where people are shoving forward, just trying to touch the star. Well, Jesus is the star and everyone is crowding around him. And it's a crushing crowd. And they say, what are you? he says, who touched me when she grabs his hand? And the disciples say, what do you mean? Everybody's pressing up against you. And he says, no, someone touched me. Power. Jesus has power. So this picture gives me this idea of the power of God. He has enough for Jairus' daughter. He has enough to heal the woman with the issue of blood. He has enough for you and he has enough for me. His power is made not depleted in any situation of our lives. And Jesus is willing to be interrupted. He's on the way to to do a miracle, to save a life, and he's willing to be interrupted by a touch. Are, Are we, as God's people, willing to be interrupted? When the neighbor calls and says, you know, my car won't start, can you come and help me? Or you see someone um, in the parking lot and they need some kind of help. Or you see, whatever you see, are you willing to be interrupted? Because Jesus was. And how, I wondered, we talked about how, how would this woman know? About Jesus. Well, she was Jewish. And I believe it has something to do with this scripture. This scripture in Deuteronomy 11, 19 through 21. It's about the word of God. And the Jewish people were told, teach them to your children. Talking about them when you sit down at your home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates so that your days and the days of your children may be many in the land. I swore your ancestors as many as the days of the heaven and above earth. This woman, when she was with her father in her father's house, he was teaching her the word of God and she was hearing it. Maybe he was teaching it to her siblings. But she was taking it in. Maybe in her shame and her outcast position, she wandered along the edge of the synagogue and she could hear the rabbi's teaching. But the word got into her. I was at a ministry class yesterday in Waco and I was talking to youth ministers were sharing and they said that each one of us, for our children should have five believing Christian adults pouring into their lives. Five. I thought, wow, wouldn't that be an awesome picture of of making sure your child had not just you and your husband or you or, or your grandparents, but other people that would walk alongside them and pour into their lives. And this woman would know about Malachi 4, too. But for, but for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. So this is a talit, a prayer shawl, 
Um, I bought it in Israel, and you can see it has these, I'm sure you've all seen all of this before, it has these tassels, and they, they, they're knotted, and they're for the 630 laws God gave Moses for the people, because the law is what kept the people safe and healed. And when you raise this up, it looks like wings. There would be healing in his wings. And she would have known that Jesus, she would have heard the stories. It would be hard not to know that there was a healer in town, that they were bringing uh, people were being that were blind, now could see people who had leprosy, their skin was clear. There was healing. And all she wanted to do was touch the hem of his cloak and she'd be healed. That was her faith. And in Mark 6.56, it says, Whenever he went into the villages, towns, and countrysides, they placed the sick in the marketplaces. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak. And all who touched it were healed. Jesus knew that the power had gone out of him. Jesus has the power. And it went out when she touched his cloak. Can you imagine how hello she had to be to touch his cloak? She was probably getting stepped on and pushed and shoved, but she was desperate. She had been sick for 12 years. Her life was ebbing out of her. And he stopped. And he said, who touched me? Power's gone out from me. And the disciples are like, what? But he wanted to free her completely from her illness. He wanted to restore her back to her community. Like all of you said here in this community, he wanted to restore her back in that community. And he said, and she, she realized that she was caught. And she had to profess and say everything that had happened to her. And he said, and he loved her. And I love this part because he gave her a name. Do you know what it was? Daughter. He gave her a name. He calls you sons. He calls you daughters. Because he loves you. And he'll restore you as you seek him, as you reach out to him in faith. And he blessed her and he said, go in peace. And he assured her that her affliction would not return when he said, be freed from your suffering. And then he granted her redemption. He redeemed her. Your faith has made you well. It's that word sozo that you've probably heard before. Well, it's that complete healing. Heart, soul, mind, body. Jesus just doesn't heal the physical. He heals the emotional he heals everything when you cry out to him. And with that being said, there is a healing service tonight. And I know there will be prayer ministers that can pray with you afterwards too. But this healing service will be at 630. And it's in the sanctuary. And it's a, it's a group from New Heights, from the sanctuary, from Riverside, and from Asbury. It is a group healing. And I pray you'll come to it and be blessed 
And if you don't have someone that, if you don't need healing this day, then I know someone you know needs healing. And I I just want to close by telling you a, a short story of a woman who came to our invitation service. We were, uh, as you know, the invitation service has shut its doors for a while. It's at rest. But there was a woman that came, and she needed prayer. She was a woman with an issue of a migraine that was debilitating. And at the invitation service, we, we worshipped God. We, we had community, and we had communion, and we would pray for people at the end of the service that needed healing. And this woman was in great pain. And she said, as she came up for prayer, we live in Round Rock, Texas. She said, I heard about the invitation and I knew in my heart, if I could just get here, I would be healed. That Jesus would meet me here and heal me. Because, you know, it's not about the person praying for you. It's about God. And God's ultimate power. Sometimes we let the person in front of us get in the path of what God has for us. And so we began to pray for this woman. Because she said that she usually was at choir practice on Wednesday night, but they canceled it. So they rushed over to San Antonio to try to make the invitation. And as we prayed for her, uh, I just have to tell you, the power of God came down her on her in a mighty way, and she just crumpled to the floor. And her husband jumped up and said, what's happened to her? And we just said, God's loving on her. That's the power of God. Just let her rest in it. And she got up. She said, it's gone. My migraine is gone. It was a blessing to witness the power of God healing a daughter. And he has that for any of us that would come and grasp as him. He is the almighty. Can I pray with pray for you? Um, Father God, I bless you and thank you for this community that knows your word, that uh, walks in your ways. And Father God, I pray for uh, your healing power just to be made manifest here in this place. Father, that as they seek you, Lord, that they will find you. And you say that in your word, that if they seek you, they'll find you as they seek you with their whole heart. And Father God, I pray for that living water just to flow down, just as it is outside, just bathing this church. It would just bathe our lives, that healing water that's the river of life.